Hi listeners, welcome to episode 25 of Define Normal. This week I'm joined by Aria, who is the founder of Flower Bodega. Flower Bodega is a business that Aria started where she creates custom arrangements and floral experiences for various brands and events. She also does flower arranging classes, which are amazing. I took one earlier this year and she's so fun. So definitely take one of those. We mentioned it in the episode. And you know, 25 episodes is a big deal. So for my 25th episode, I wanted to spend it with someone who means a lot to me. And so Aria, to give you a little background, gave me my first internship at Complex. So it was summer 2013. I worked with her in the marketing and promotions department. And she taught me so much about event planning and being organized and just kind of just going after it. I mean, she's a big reason that I fell in love with events. And we worked on some fun events during our times. But more importantly, she also just gave me a chance, which in, in some ways sounds very corny, but I originally grew up in Ohio. For those of you who do not know, I also went to college there. And I don't know, it's like moving to New York City is a big deal, but also it's like finding a job in the industry that you want to be in. I've always been obsessed with pop culture and music. And so working at Complex was a really huge deal for me. And during quarantine, I lived with my parents for a lot of it. And so kind of reflecting while I was home. And I just like remember that phone call to Aria where she even called me to tell me that I got the internship. And I had such a lovely time working with her, like just things that stick out to me. Um, I remember one day she asked me to come to her desk during the internship and I kind of thought I was in trouble, even though I didn't do anything. I was like, oh no, like my boss wants to see me. What did I do? And she was like, hey, would you mind taking on another day of the internship? Because at the time I worked only two days and then I um, had a job when I wasn't at my actual internship. But she was like, I actually want you to stay a third day because I've just realized about you that you get stuff done. So that was confidence building. And I felt honored that she saw me and saw my work. And after the internship, I went back to school at Kent to finish my senior year. And an opportunity came up to interview for a role as an ad sales assistant at Complex. And Aria put in a good word for me and mentioned like, oh, Shelby interned for me. And told HR about that experience and I ended up getting the job. So she's really been here like every step of the way. I wanted to get back into event production after my stint at Condé Nast and she was at Refinery, threw me another alley-oop and helped me uh, do some freelance production work with her team for 29 Rooms, which was an honor. It was an honor to work with her and 29 Rooms was such a cool project, like a once in a career opportunity just to work on something like of that level. And it was just really cool how Refinery put it together. So I was honored to be involved with that and also just to work with her. But there's so much good stuff to say about Aria. She is just a great person. She is a visionary. She's amazing when it comes to events. She's brilliant when it comes to running her business and just has this creative eye. Like every time we work together, we speak, I'm in awe of her. So really doing this podcast to give Aria her flowers and for you to hear some amazing advice from her. We get into a lot of stuff as far as how she manages her business, how she started her business, the difference between, you know, working in a corporate environment and and what it's been like to go out on her own and just how she pivoted during COVID. I mean, she was really in the height of getting her business off the ground. and, And now she's at a place where she's has a studio space and she was recently featured in the New York times. So there's just so much you should be proud of. And there's so much you can learn from this episode, but enjoy my interview with Aria. Welcome to episode 25 of Define Normal. Today I am joined by the fabulous Aria, owner of Flower Bodega, event aficionado. There's I mean so much I could say about her and have said about her. Aria, welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me, Shelby. I'm so excited that you're here. There's so much I want to talk about. First, I just want you to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you do, and then we'll go from there. Okay, fabulous. So I am the founder and creative director of Flower Bodega. We're a floral design and content studio based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I was born and raised in New York. I'm from the Bronx. I went to elementary and middle school in the Bronx and Manhattan, and um, I went to high school and college in Manhattan. So definitely a New York kid through and through, never left. (laughs) So I'm happy that I, I was able to make a living here. Um, and never had to leave to do so. I love that. As a transplant, I'm always so impressed by like a core New Yorker, like born and raised, college, career, like never leaving. We're hardcore. And it's funny because like I went to high school on 24th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue. It's called the High School of Fashion Industries. It was really cool. I learned in many ways. I got my production start producing fashion shows um, and various dance productions at that school. And I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing, putting these shows together. I just thought I was a designer. And then I went to FIT on 28th Street. Then I worked at Complex on 23rd Street when its office was in the Mark Echo building. It was really funny because commuting from the Bronx, I would hop on an express bus and it would leave me right on 23rd. So for over a decade, I was just always in the Chelsea 23rd Street area. That was kind of, you know, my, my stomping ground for many, many years. So yeah, New York, New York is my home. You told us a little bit about school and growing up in New York and that you have started this business called Flower Bodega, but what was happening before Flower Bodega? What did you do career-wise? So career-wise, it was kind of a zigzag, and I was actually thinking about this earlier today, too, in reflecting on where we're at currently. I obviously went to school for the arts. I was very focused on fashion design. Coming out of high school and college, I was working as a freelance costume designer for local Brooklyn dance companies, and wasn't making too much money doing that. I I was also side hustling with a retail job that quickly evolved into like a design job within the retail space. So I worked for Pottery Barn Teen and was doing all the visual merchandising and floor sets there. Customers would come into the store, ask me to come to their home and design their children's bedrooms. And so I kind of created this like design offering in our little tiny store on the Upper East Side that has like evolved into a full service offering that they do at all Pottery Barn stores now. It's crazy. Learning about floor plans and and design and and paint and and just incorporating all of these different style techniques led me to want to transition and pivot. I was also throwing these parties in Brooklyn, like these underground parties that were like very elaborately decorated and themed. And all of those worlds collided when I decided it was time to get like a real quote, real job. So I got my start as an entry level assistant at Complex. I worked for five sales reps. They sold ads in print and digital. And I caught the eye, I guess, of the director of marketing there. She realized that I had an affinity for events. And so she took a chance on me and and gave me a role when I was up for a promotion to 
become an event producer. And that's really where I learned about event production. So my, my career like kind of zigzagged, but all roads ended up in this world of event production where I had to incorporate design and, and floor plans and everything like that. Everything kind of came together, production from fashion shows and stuff all culminated into this role that they created for me at Complex. And I've been producing events for about 12 years now. And after Complex, I I was producing a lot of like concerts and day in the lifestyle videos and documentaries and music videos, working with a lot of rappers. And it just got a little gritty for me. I wanted to work someplace elegant. And so I, I moved on to Refinery29. There's where I really, really learned about chic pointed design and how to create an experience like true experiential and immersive event work and in that world I met so many florists that we would hire for premieres and passion parties and dinner parties and one day offered to help one of our florists on set for an event and she was telling me about flower care and I fell in love with it. I went, I immediately took classes at New York Flower School and the the New York Botanical Garden offers classes. So I started taking classes and then Refinery was generous enough to let me become the resident florist for all of our events. And so I would work, you know, 12 hour days at Refinery producing these massive events, like 29 rooms and stuff, and then sleep for 25 minutes and then do flower work at night. And that's how Flower Bodega was born. Crazy. (laughs) Wow, that is a crazy story. And it all kind of ties together with the bow. If you think about your early experience, and then going to Pottery Barn, and then kind of getting into complex and building that role. And I mean, I remember that content of like day in the life videos, like rappers with brand partnerships to doing things like 29 rooms and all the other chic events that Refinery29 put on. So what ultimately made you made make the jump from a corporate job to going all in on Flower Bodega? What ultimately led me to start Flower Bodega was a combination of two things. One, like I said, I was working with this florist on one event specifically, and that was the spark that really inspired Flower Bodega. Um, we used to hire vendors, various vendors for events to do cute takeaways for attendees from like a hair and makeup bar to a cute nail art bar, little giveaways. And we we were answering an RFP and we were like, oh, what if we did like these little, little bouquets? That could be a cool idea. And I didn't, I couldn't find a vendor through a quick internet search that was offering that specific product. So that was the early stages of Flower Bodega was really like a mini bouquet service to pop up at events. That was what we were initially planning to do. So at first it was easy for me to like work a full day at work and then like go home and make all of these mini bouquets because that's all we were really offering at the time. But as the projects became more intense and more of my friends, like from all of the various places I've worked who branched out and worked and began working at other media agencies, started hiring me knowing that I was into flowers. It quickly became something that within like the first seven months was becoming too much to juggle. And by the first year of Flower Bodega being open, we really came to a head where I said, I think it's time to put all my eggs in this basket. I had been experiencing a hard time in my event production role. I wasn't really getting the growth that I was promised career growth wise. In many ways, 
I had been promised some roles um, and promotions and, and just growth plans that fell apart. New people would be hired. There'd be a turnover in management constantly. And I was somehow getting lost in the shuffle, but still putting in so much work to this event production world. And I decided, you know, I think it's time for my physical health and my mental health to stop putting all of my energy into someone else's business and transition and put it into my own. Let me take a chance on myself and let's see how it goes. And one year out from, you know, leaving my job at Refinery, we had the biggest boom for Flower Bodega. So it ultimately became the best decision I ever made. That's so exciting. I mean, I love seeing all over Instagram and even like at my job now, people knowing about Flower Bodega and taking the virtual workshops and just like just the hype around it. I've had friends who are like, can I talk to Aria? Like, do you know her? Like, I'm really interested in flowers. So yes, one of my coworkers is interested in flowers. And she was like, oh, so you know her. Like, I'm like, do you want to be connected? Oh my gosh. People are seeing you. And I think that's like a testament because you're one of those people who've always just done the work. Like you're not in the world of like Instagram and like clout and who's doing what. You've always, since I've met you, just done the work. So I'm just excited to see like that kind of person winning, to be honest. Thank you, Shelby. Just like infinitely proud. <laughs> that You know what's crazy? I was talking about, and we both know him, Kim Robinson is yeah. uh, the producer that showed me the ropes at Complex. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about his career and, and like all the amazing things that he's done. And, and I was talking about, I was comparing him and, and myself in many ways to how we're, we really are. We're the people in the background. We're the ones behind the scenes. Like I really, I was, I told my husband, I was like, I don't have the energy to like get super dressed up and like try to be seen somewhere, you know, on cobblestone streets and meat packing. Like, that's just not me. That's not my energy. I'm, I'm just always focused on thinking about what's next and what the next project is. Like, how can we be better? And I've always applied that ethic into all of my work from event production to flowers. So it's really funny when people are like, how did you get so much growth online? And I'm like, I really don't know. I don't understand how I did it. I I could not tell you. There is no blueprint. I'm just, I applied maybe the same energy into trying to get our voice out there more so in the past year on social and people responded to it. And and sometimes I talk to people and they're like, your brand vision is very clear. Who's your brand manager? I'm just like, it's just me. It's, it's so crazy. I mean, I, I think I have good taste, like from a design perspective and stuff and a good eye. And I have very basic knowledge of things like Photoshop and Illustrator. And, and so by, by no means would I ever consider myself a graphic designer. I know enough just to like get me by to try to get my point across visually. But it's really funny when people are just like, who's your social media manager? Who's this? Who, who does that? And it's just like, it is me. I, I wear all of those hats. My husband and I do this now full time, but you know, I'm still the one answering the emails, coming up with the design concepts, running social, photographing the content. It's wild. And I do it all on my iPhone. So it's pretty like shout out to iPhone 11 Pro Max. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to portrait mode. Shout out to portrait mode. I mean, you are a brand. When I started watching the branding, even as someone who knows you, the videos are so you like you're like to your point about like not going to cobblestone streets and like dressing up and taking influencer photos like you, the brand is you. Like I took a workshop 
and you're just like listening to your music in the background <laughs> and like dancing around like that's how you act though. yeah <laughs> like, I think it's it's very it's very you it's very girly there's a design element that's beautiful but it's like very simple and approachable like it's all of these things because flowers can be kind of like stuffy like when I think flowers I think like you know I think two things I think like a Trader Joe's bouquet and then I think like expensive like crazy arrangements that feel kind of sterile and like aren't pretty but are very expensive and like you've kind of bridged a gap like it's this doesn't feel like either of those things it feels like oh okay these are beautiful like should I should I call Aria for my event (laughs) do you want to do my future I will absolutely (laughs) that's so funny it's so flower bodega is definitely a brand, right? Because when, so you know this, like when I started getting into flowers back in 2015, from 2015 to 2017, I would just post pictures of flowers that I was doing and write hashtag florals by Aria. It was a really funny, like inside joke hashtag, but that was what we were calling it. We were like, oh, florals by Aria. And then finally I was like, I need a name. And then when I thought of the name Flower Bodega, because I was like, thinking about the bodega flower and if I flip the name somehow it came to me it was just one of those like lightning moments where I told one person and they were like get the Instagram handle right now get the domain right now like you have to like get started on locking that name in you know immediately I was like oh I I feel like I have something and then I held on to that handle for one whole year (laughs) before I launched it but something something in me knew that like Flower Bodega needed to be a brand and needed to be an experience. And so what set us apart when we launched was anytime I had like a color collection, like I had one called Millie and the color story there was all millennial pink and Millie came with a backstory, like a bio, a mood board, a Spotify playlist. It was meant to be this immersive experience centered around this floral arrangement. And so I did that with like four different characters, each of them very different. And I still roll that out to this day. So for Valentine's Day, we had a really good one called Lydia and like Lydia's very moody and stuff. And she had this really dope playlist and we've really amplified it in how we rolled it out on social media. And it was like one of our most successful flower characters that I call them. But it's funny because you know, music is such a big part of my life. Cinema is such a big part of my life. I love music. I love film. I love movies. And when you talk to me, I'm just like this pop culture machine. I I spit out weird quotes from movies in the 90s and stuff. Like, I can quote everything from both Sister Act movies, just sidebar. It's weird. Like, it's weird stuff like that, that kind of became the the backbone of uh, how I wanted to present flower bodega beyond just a beautiful arrangement and I always knew I always always knew we weren't going to be like 1-800 flowers no shade and we weren't going to be this super serious moody romantic garden-esque you know floral company who I also follow and love like I know so many florists that do this beautiful beautiful work in the romantic space of, of floristry really elevated design I knew I wanted it to be a little more approachable. Oftentimes I include a bodega flower into what we're doing. So it's like things that you can do to elevate your deli flowers, for example, are always a a part of our workshops and, and what I think makes it feel a little more approachable using the name flower bodega in itself. Bodega has a connotation and, and is tethered to specifically, you know, inner city 
culture and New York culture. My stepfather owned a bodega in the Bronx, like growing up, I used to get candy for all my friends. And like, there would be guys outside playing dominoes on crates. Like literally that was like my childhood. (laughs) So, so New York trying to tie that in, but in a way that didn't feel cheap and felt like I would still be able to target the brands that I knew how to work with from my experience working in media at big media companies like Complex and Refinery29, that was really important. I was like, how do I marry the two? I'm going to turn the name Bodega Flower on its head, really make this chic branding, make sure everything is like buttoned up and kind of cheeky, has that little wing, but still hits that aesthetic point of view for people and like has you know, everything is all about storytelling for us. And, and and people responded to it and brands responded to it. The more we got into it, you know, year one, we were responding to a lot of specific creative direction from brands. And at first I didn't really like it. It, it stifled my creativity, but it also taught me how to try different styling techniques, you know, for, for different briefs. Now people come to me because they want our perspective and point of view and they'll give us very limited guidelines. Like we have this color palette we want to work with, but do your thing. Where before it was very controlled that we want this style of arrangement. It was very like copying Pinterest is what clients wanted. I would interpret that in my way and evolve. And we finally found our creative voice. And so that's, what's really cool about it now too. Like people, I think people identify with me as like this, like New York girl, but understand that I do come from this world of having worked with some of the best creatives and, and the biggest brands. And I, I can, I can speak to both. I, I, I have street, street smarts and then like the corporate world. <laughs> so we, we fit somewhere in between and, and people like it. And I didn't expect it to happen this way, but I'm grateful. I mean, people love it. People don't just like it. They love it. I think the approachability is just really is what sells it. And now that you've told us, like, all these amazing things that are happening with Flower Bodega, I want to talk about, like, actually owning the business and what's what's going on with that. So I know that you have a studio, and so you have a physical space, you do some virtual workshops. Like, what have been the highlights of owning your own business and branching out on your own, and, and what have been the hardships of owning your own business? So the highlights are definitely, I was never really into the set schedule thing, like, I I did it for so many years because I I was, my mom is very by the book. You know, she worked at the same company for 26 years, creature of habit, fabulous woman, like very buttoned up and focused on doing the right thing. So all of those principles and morals were instilled in me, which is probably why I have such a crazy work ethic. But my dad was kind of like, well, like, you know, kind of like did his own thing a lot of the time. So finding a nice uh, balance between the two was ultimately like the best part about starting, uh, really committing myself full time to Flower Bodega. We don't have a set schedule here because we're not a retail shop. We really work on a project to project basis and then in between that work on content. But like, I love having a fluid schedule. That's why I love events so much. Like every, like no two days are the same. No two projects are the same. So it's always like sparking new creative things for me. That's a big, big deal for me as a business owner, like always having a, a lens to be creative through um, and, and express my, my creative freak flag, I guess. But being able to do all of that out of my apartment was a low light. <laughs> we were like, it's time to expand. Like we can't like 
doing it out of my, we were doing it in the living room, like any kind of flower project was happening on a folding table in our living room for over a year and a half. And we got to the point where we knew if we wanted to scale and grow, our physical space had to grow. And it was also kind of taking over our personal life too, in a way where we were feeling claustrophobic from all the boxes and tools and flower material. Flowers are very messy. So we were at the point where we needed a studio. And this is where like manifestation, I, I don't want to get all like new agey, but little things would pop into my head. For example, you know, I say, I want to work with this brand. How am I going to get to the point to work with this brand? And then I would just continue to do the work and make better work and, and get better at my skill and maybe follow the right people that worked at that brand in hopes to like get on their radar and then it might not happen immediately, but three months later, a brand like, for example, Glossier was, you know, big inspiration for how I wanted to approach Flower Bodega. I also looked at a bunch of different brands that were not floral brands. I didn't want to emulate another florist in the city. I take inspiration from furniture brands and, you know, skincare brands, cute clothing brands, people like that and how they they do things on social and how they brand themselves. And that's how I was able to kind of really make a specific voice for Flower Bodega, watching what like liquor brands were doing. So getting to work with those people that I admired and influenced, like and I was just putting that energy out there. And then suddenly a few months later, they're like, hey, like we saw you on Instagram and we wanna partner with you on something. And I'm just like, ah, you know? So same same thing applied to studio. I've been saying I need to find a studio. It needs to have a skylight. It needs to have high ceilings, a private bathroom, a sink and exposed brick walls. And it needs to be close to the train in a cool neighborhood. And it has to cost this much money. And everyone was like, yeah, good luck. Like you're not going to find it. It took three months of searching every single day and I found it. And everyone's like, how on earth did you find this and negotiate your rent down to your budget? It was seriously, I don't know. It's like I put that energy out there and was like, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to find the right place. It's going to check all of these boxes. And it did. We found it. Like you can you can say it's luck, but I think like it's just actively knowing what you want and zeroing in. So it's, it almost puts the blinders on to anything that's not it. And that worked for me. And that is still like something that works for me now where I'm just like I put the blinders on at times. Sometimes I have to like close off the noise of even what my peers or competitors are doing because that can like cause anxiety and, and stifle you up and it's just really put the energy out there like you want to work with this brand what do you need to do to get on their radar i knew that i wanted press coverage <laughs> like at a large scale i was like how do i get in the new york times how do i do this like i was talking to different publicists but i we just like haven't been in the position to like afford a real pr person because we value their time and and you know they can be quite expensive but just continuing to push yourself and and get the word out there we started to attract the right people and like sure enough we we were featured in the times last weekend which we're so excited about and still like a pinch me moment but it's little things like that where i think you have to set these goals and almost say them out loud as a business owner and say like this is what i want to achieve even if it's like i want to scale instagram to this many followers by the end of q3 or something what are you going to actively do like i follow a lot of social media accounts like these like social people on reels like all of these like accounts on instagram that are like i'm the social media queen and then they tell you all these like instagram hacks follow like follow them if it makes sense try it and then see if it works so i've been doing things like that too that are like 
teaching me. So I always feel like I'm always learning new things in business. But then obviously like downfalls also include a global pandemic where you lose every project on on the calendar for a full 12 months, <laughs> you know, and it's just then you have to like think, how am I going to save my business? And you have to be able to switch those hats. So in one breath, I love doing that. And like, it's exhilarating. And in another breath, I like want to fall on the floor and die sometimes because I think it's like impossible. And I don't know how one person is going to be able to like solve all of these problems that even big companies are having a hard time solving. So in a small scale, like there are so many ups and downs, but always learning always being challenged to be creative and think of new ideas are like the big perks for me. And then on the other side, like the business side of it, the admin side of it, the financial side of it and the unpredictability uh, of like the volatility of the industry right now, especially like in, in the wake of a pandemic is, has definitely been the hardest part about owning a small business for sure. So you gave so many good nuggets there from like the social media aspect of just trying things and just following people. I think that's such like free game of just following people because inevitably whether they follow you back or not, they're like, who's flower bodega? Like, yeah. Look through it, look through it. Maybe they follow back. So I think that's amazing advice and just the honest like manifestation because you said something there about cutting out the noise. I think Every time we say we want something, whether you want that studio or I have this whole thing about like one day I just want a podcast full time. I just want to like podcast and like write a book and like yes. I don't want a corporate job. And when I say that, people are like, well, what do you mean? Like, how would you make money off the podcast? And like, and I have to sometimes just be like, I'm just going to I'm just going to do my episodes and write my book. And like, you'll see when it comes to fruition, like you'll you see. have to. So I think those are just very powerful very powerful tools and just the honesty around how the industry went for the past year or so and and giving people that insight to what it was like when you were doing that from your house. I mean, I can only imagine a New York City apartment. You have a dog. You're married. There's like flowers everywhere. Flowers everywhere. It, oh, when we live on the fifth floor too and like we we have an elevator in our building but then like loading in for bigger projects, we take up the elevator and our neighbors would get really pissed off. So it's just things like that. We knew it was time that like we had to just put our like we just had to do it and invest in it. And so we did. We found the space and then it was just this drab studio. And I knew I wanted it to be designed a very specific way, someplace that was inspiring not only to me, but to like the freelancers that we hire. And then like, you know, we'd be able to have clients in the space. And I kind of wanted it to be almost like this clubhouse slash floral studio, which is ultimately what we created. And then of course, two weeks after we opened it up to the public, we had to close it down because <laughs> the world went on lockdown, but you know, we were able to keep it. Um, that was my biggest priority. Like I was just like, after all of the blood, sweat and tears that went into getting the studio, like from the buildup of all the years, hard work to even get to a point to be able to have a studio to all of the actual physical work that went into making it as beautiful as it is. I'll be damned if I'm going to lose it in this pandemic. So we pivoted and like, I know pivot was the key word last year, but we really did. We weren't an, a retailer in any capacity and we were an event floral company. So we had to obviously cancel all of our events including our in-person workshops. So instead of like completely canceling them, 
we turned them into a virtual workshop program where my husband and I drove around New York City with flowers, a vase, tools, and then you joined me on Zoom and we would have these like Zoom events where it was fun and interactive and it really blew up. It saved us last year. It helped us grow on social media, like more people started sharing. So we, we acquired some more flower friends. And then ultimately we have folks who join every month. It's almost become like this monthly subscription. And we get so many messages from people that are just like, those activities like saved me during the pandemic. Like it broke up the boredom or, you know, it was so meditative. It helped like get my mind. Like it was such an uneasy year for everyone. People experienced so much loss in so many ways. And just being able to bring that joy through connection was so important is what we're all about. It's about the experience, right? That's all I care about. So music is a big part of it. Like I'm always playing some kind of disco or some situation then I'm dancing and kind of singing along as I go because I'm a nut. And then people respond to that. They, they like that personality. It feels warm, I guess. And um, it, it comes from a genuine place. I was also bored out of my mind. I'm like, I'm so excited to see you people, <laughs> you know. And so <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, that was a big silver lining for us, like in the pandemic, for sure. And then we started renting out the studio for photo and video shoots because people would be like, your space is so beautiful. So that helped pay the rent too. So now we're kind of coming out of this pandemic, like on the up and up where we were able to keep our studio. We fortunately did not have to close it down. And, and now we still have the space to answer the demand of all of the business that is starting to trickle in. And so we feel very grateful and fortunate. I'm, I know, like, I just cry with gratitude. I, I was never like a, let me cry with gratitude kind of person until flower bodega like it really feels so special and it's so so personal you know this isn't something that I do just to make money it's it's my art and it's like my way of sharing experiences with people through this medium so it, it it's important to me yeah this is your baby. My baby so like when people celebrate your brainchild which has a lot to do with your personality like it's something you've created a lot of it has your essence in it it has to mean so much because even the I love what you said about the clubhouse. Like when I saw, when I saw the physical space, I was like, first of all, I want to go hang out. <laughs> and second of all, you have this way of like making every person, cause I've worked with you several times. Like we all feel like we're in a little club. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I love that energy at the workshops, just making feel, making people feel comfortable and like, it's very genuine. You're just like dancing around. And also the flower knowledge you have, because I took one of the workshops and I was like, I don't know anything about flowers and you're like very patient if people are like wait wait do that again you're like no no no, wait like I got it so I mean there's just so much to be said any listeners that haven't taken a class take one yeah, they're awesome <laughs> I would love to know a couple things so first let's start with which brands are like your dream brands who you haven't worked with yet who's on the list who you're following and hoping reach out who hope you hope that they reach out well brand wise I would say Beyonce's brand. So anything Parkwood related, uh, like her production company. For me, we were talking about this too, like, because again, the New York Times was such a milestone for us, like from a press perspective. I'm like, 
Vogue is next. I need to get published in Vogue and, and I'll be happy, but that's not the end. Of, that's not the end of it. Like, and we were talking about this too. Like maybe it hasn't happened for us yet because we don't want to peak too early or some, something weird. But for me, I'm like, it's never going to be that because there's always going to be a new goal. So for me, it's like, I would love to do flowers for Beyonce or Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez is really important to me. Like for obvious reasons, Puerto Rican girl from the Bronx don't at me like we're not here to debate her and you know her fabulous career but also you know I want to work in set design like could you imagine doing like set florals I, I've been re-watching The Nanny on HBO Love the nanny. and every scene like there's so many flowers I'm like could you imagine being the set floors for like a really cool iconic show like that or in film so or like a concert production so there are less brands other than maybe Gucci hi I'm available Gucci I, I definitely want us to expand into the world of more immersive kind of, maybe Flower Bodega has a, has their own, like, we have our own Art Basel exhibit or something, you know, so I'm thinking bigger in that sense where I want to get into the world more of set design and truly immersive floral experiences beyond just, you know, I'm having this beautiful cocktail or dinner party how can we elevate it with flowers? I want I want to be pushed and challenged more to to create cool things. Fashion is so inspiring to me. What these designers are doing um, on the runways every season, I'm just like, how? What are the mechanics of this crazy thing? You know. So it's like even going to these exhibits at the Met, like the I always refer back to the Alexander McQueen exhibit or the Camp exhibit, and just how those are put together. So those types of things always inspire Flower Bodega in, in terms of like structurally, like how we design, but then also how I want to like kind of push the envelope to make it more of an immersive kind of brand lifestyle, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think it's such a cool angle because when I first started and when I started posting about it on my page, I've had people reach out to me and be like, oh, so like that cool floral company that you reached out about, can I like have them send flowers to my mom? I'm like, that's not really what they do. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a whole it's tricky. immersive moment. It's tricky because a lot of people don't understand that. And, and we get so many requests and I feel terrible, you know, when they're like, oh, like so-and-so, you know, just had a baby or it's my friend's birthday. It would mean so much to come from you. And at times, like if we have the bandwidth, will say yes to custom work occasionally. However, budget-wise, like, it's just not our business model. So, like, we don't operate in the sense of, like, how a normal flower shop operates. We don't store or stock flowers. Flowers are very perishable. And so if you're not really driving that marketing to try to get sales for all, like flowers for all occasions, if you're not really working to get that and that's not your business model, there are flower shops in the city or I mean just everywhere that do both, right? They, they have a brick and mortar, they're a flower shop, they service the delivery retail space, but then they also have an event side and, and they do everything. There are full service floral studios that, you know, hats off to them. It's just not really where we want to be. I, I, I really want to push Flower Bodega into more of like the art space and be seen in the art space. So we've been pivoting more and more away from that and departing even from our beloved mini bouquets because the, the sky's the limit now for Flower Bodega and like what I want it to, to achieve over the next, you know, I want to say even the next two years. 
I think that's a good lesson, though. Like, taking your vision instead of falling into what people wanted you to do or even feeling comfortable shifting. Because I remember receiving those original, like, mini bouquets and being so excited and, like, honored that I made the drop. <laughs> but, like, everyone took, like, really cool Insta photos with them. But it's, like, it's fine to say, all right, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, the goal is something so much bigger. Like, I can't be making you florals for Mother's Day, like, individual arrangements if I'm trying to work with Beyonce. Right. I'm busy. Right. But, <laughs> so the little asterisk here is that I still really love in-person moments. So there are tentpole days. Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, which is also our birthday as, as a business, um, and holiday where we will respond to or create like what we call virtual pop-up experiences where it's a full kind of mood online. So again, like we have these characters that we, we create um, very tailored to the occasion. Like, so if it's Valentine's day, I'll give you two options, like a really romantic option and something a little more dark and moody, maybe because you're single and you don't have a Valentine and you want to treat yourself or, or your girlfriend or whoever. Um, so it's, it's really just creating this full service experience, like from a shoppable, menu of things that we can deliver to that I make personally and are very sculptural. So like the price point is a little different than what you might see at an average flower shop. And then there are virtual workshops, in-person workshop offerings and stuff like that. Sometimes we'll do an in-person pop-up as well, but I really like those because I get to meet people there. I don't staff them with, with, you know, employees or anything like that. I'm the person at the pop-ups. So I like to go to those and manage those because you never know who you're going to meet at those. I generally often meet a lot of my future clients at my pop-ups. And then I just get to meet people who follow the brand or want to drop in and say hi and support us in person. We also drive a lot of money at these pop-ups to pay for our youth. So we have a youth program that we have every few months and it supplies tools and flowers and then like a, a virtual day of learning with me, obviously until it's safe to do it in person. These types of retail moments that we make exceptions for have purpose. So like they're great networking opportunities for me. They're a great opportunity for me to our people and friends and followers in real life. And then it's a great, you know, generator for our students to be sponsored by, you know, generous contributions from people. So yeah, I, I do do them, but maybe three times a year, maybe only that. <laughs> very special, very special yeah. edition. You cannot order flowers just for any occasion. Not anymore. Sorry. No, it's okay. I think the evolution is like really special and you're kind of carving out your own lane, which I think is really cool. Thank you. Do you see yourself hiring employees? Like we talked about how you want this business model to grow as flower bodega is bigger, say in the next five years. I mean, I'm sure it's going to grow even this year, but like let's shoot five years from now. You're working on these big projects. Beyonce is called, Vogue is called. Do you have employees? Like, what exactly does this look like in your head? Yes. I mean, even like we have a, a festival that we're participating in this weekend and we have a, a, a network of freelancers that we're expanding upon now. I mean, in the beginning and like this has been a challenge and admittedly um, tough conversations that I've had even with like some of our very creative freelance talent. Most of like our support comes from friends and family, but then a small pool of production assistants Whereas now I'm getting more comfortable hiring floral design support. That has always been like a tricky thing for me, not because I'm a control freak, but because Flower Bodega is so much of a personal 
part of who I am. It's almost like an extension of me. It's not this isolated entity, essentially. Flower Bodega really is like me and like a representation of how I, I want to present to the world. And so that has always been a big challenge, trying to find people who are the right fit, but also like who have the right intentions and I can feel confident that I can trust them with like our secrets. So that's always been like, as a creative, I like hold on to that because in the age of social media, especially, I mean, I saw someone like, I won't even say who it was, but I randomly stumbled upon a photo of my studio of another florist claiming it was their studio and their work. So I get super paranoid in many ways where I'm just like, I have to hold things super tight to the chest, but it was starting to hurt me where my freelancers are like, you're holding it so tight that you're not even telling us. And we're the ones who are supposed to help you execute this vision. So something had to give. And like, I took that as like tough love and like necessary criticism for me to grow and elevate us to the next place. So now that's like enabled me and in a way, like kind of liberated me to say, okay, now it's time to like put a little more faith in humans and start letting more people in because like they believe in you and, and, and us and this brand and they want to be a part of it and contribute in some way. So in many ways, I'm more open to collaboration and like really talking things out in a way that I never was before. And obviously if we're at the point where we can afford to bring someone on full time, we'd love to, but by, but right now project by project freelance contractor is, is where, is where we're landing. Ultimately, it would be fantastic to be able to hire somebody to help, but like even it would be great to like filter even some of the requests. But again, even the voice in which things are responded to is so specific. So it's just a vetting process that I'm learning to like relinquish in order to allow me to have more of that, you know, bird's eye view, the captain's view, right? You can't, you can't have a big picture understanding of what's going on if you're in the weeds all the time. So that was a big learning even recently for some of the big projects we just wrapped up. And um, I'm going into our new projects with that mindset. And honestly, like the anxiety has shifted so much. And, and I feel so liberated in in putting a little more faith and trust in into new people. I used to be very like, no new friends, but now I need new friends. I need them and I'm excited to meet them because I learn from them too. You know, just because you're the business owner doesn't mean that you know everything. And I'll be the first to admit that I don't know how to do everything. That's why I hire people to help me get to that point. Someone who really knows about plants or someone who really knows about the mechanics of, you know, a, a floral installation. I learned from them. We're creating something beautiful together. They're getting paid. Like we're all happy. Like we have created beautiful work. And so that's a big part of like being a, a business owner too, is just like knowing who to hire, like hire the people that are going to help make your brand great. It's not only me. Like I know I'm the face and I know it's such a personal extension of me, but it's, I, it's, it can't be the Aria show. Like I, it would be physically impossible for me to like scale the business if, if I continued to just like be the only one who knew everything that was going on and like was the only opinion of how things should be executed. Once I started letting people into like the process, we were able to problem solve so much quicker too. So it's just hard to let go. It's hard to like let people into your space, especially like in an event world where you're like 
these are the people who know what they're doing. We're going to work with them. I was just saying this to a friend, like when it comes to even vendors, when you're working on a production team, it's like you work with the same people pretty much because it's like, I know they're going to execute. So I only imagine like, these are the trusted people, no new friends, but now you're expanding because I think you said something really important. When you're managing something, you have to shift to the captain's chair. People who try to be in the weeds and up here are uh, get stressful. You cannot do both. Exactly. I mean, I used to criticize my managers at my previous places of employment for, for doing exactly that. And it's like, you got to let go. You're micromanaging me. Like, you're not letting me do my thing. Like, I'm working here to make you look good. And it's like, now I'm having that conversation with people that I'm hiring. And I'm like, damn, damn, like, you're right. Okay, I need to, I need to change. Like, if I want this to be a successful business, and I don't want to be viewed as like, this crazy control freak and also someone who is getting in their own way of success. I have to listen and let it and, and process it and then take action. And so personal growth, right? Personal growth moments like can only be, you, you have to be willing to listen. So I was a big advocate for reviews at work. I, I think they're great. I think people get anxious and afraid of reviews, but I never had a bad review at work. I, it was always an opportunity to have that dialogue with your employer. But I also like at some jobs, like you were able to give a review of your manager. So you'd be able to give manager feedback. And I really loved that because you're not trying to like, get aggressive and say, you know, you're not doing X, Y, and Z, but it's, it's a really good way to like, see how can you work better together also. So that's something that I, I apply from the corporate world into like my communications now that I wasn't doing. There were a lot of things that like, as a, as a producer, I was super buttoned up, but like as a business owner, I wasn't because, you know, it's been so fluid and it's just me most of the time answering everything. So it doesn't matter. But yeah. as we're getting bigger, I have to like let more people into the loop and, you know, get more opinions and, and figure things out. I want to be at the point where we can have like five projects going on at once and like I know what's going on and like can give oversight and stuff, but I have a really strong team to execute it with confidence that everybody will be happy, them, me, clients, whoever, attendees. That right there is what makes it great already, just having that reflection and self-awareness because so many people just charge ahead without it. So just knowing like, oh, wait, okay, I'm kind of micromanaging, let me fall back yeah. is like a huge, a huge win. So I have two more questions Let's for you. One of them is probably more involved. The second one's very simple, but I can't let you go before asking it. So the first one is, what is any advice that you'd give to Someone who not only wants to quit their corporate job, but someone who's starting a business. Okay, so my advice for someone who is looking to start their own business and quit their full-time job, kind of do what I did. Yeah, exactly. Someone who wants to do what you did. Someone who kind of sees an opportunity, has an idea. Maybe they've started it while they're at their current job, but they'd love to make their side hustle their full-time. Like, what, what would your advice be? My advice for someone who wants to leave their full-time job for their side hustle or to start a side hustle. And I have a friend who, who has asked me this or, you know, has made it a point to call out, you know, uh, oh, not that she's like jealous or envious, but she's just like, damn, like, I see you, you're doing it, you're killing it, but like, I could never. And it's like, you actually can. It really just comes down to the mindset. It's shifting your mindset. So you've heard that expression before and I don't know why this became the Beyonce podcast, but people are always like, Beyonce is 24 hours in a day, just like you do. Obviously, she has a team of like 47 people behind her also, but I think the mindset is more 
And I kind of live by that. It's just, I could sit here at the end of a long work day and scroll on Instagram and watch TV and, and, or go out with friends, which I do. I do all of those things too, but I can also like take that free time and turn it into like the work that's going to help me establish what I ultimately want to be doing. If you look at it as things that are work and daunting, even for your side business, you're never going to like feel comfortable taking that leap. You have to believe in what you're doing. It has to be fun and it has to be something that you're passionate about. So when you have all of those ingredients, applying that pressure onto yourself to get it done, like say no sometimes to social engagements, say no to spending money to this or, or say no, you know, like delete the app if you need to for like a weekend, just to put yourself in the mode of let me like really focus on what my goals are for this thing. Like if I'm interested in baking and I want to sell cupcakes on the side, you know, how am I going to get that out there? Like maybe on the weekend, instead of like hanging out or like, you know, lazing about, I'll bake a bunch of stuff, get some natural sunlight, use my phone, like, you know, like learn some quick, like free apps, you know, to make beautiful photography and, uh, and put this portfolio of work together. Now let me advertise that to people. Someone's having a party. Hey, by the way, I, I bake, I, I like to make cupcakes. You know, this is like a small scale thing, but it's like, ways that you can keep yourself busy, but also thinking about how you're going to be able to shift it. Right. So it's like, I was really into flowers. I really like to make them for fun on my free time, knew that I wanted to make a business about it. So what did I do? I had a photo shoot. I did exactly that. I spent a Saturday with some friends. My friend modeled it. My other friend shot the photography for it. My husband and I made the bouquets. It's really funny because it took us forever to make these little bouquets that like I can bang out in, you know, seconds now, but it's like the thought and energy that went into it and like all the different setups that we did for the photography became our very first like photography stills for our launch. And then what did I do? I made 300 of those mini bouquets on Valentine's Day and said, hey, guess what? I have a company now. Here are my bouquets for free. And I dropped them off. I dropped 10 in a little cart, a little crate to my friends that worked all over. I had friends that still worked at Complex. I had friends from Complex who now worked at Viacom or Condé Nast or Facebook. And, and I did a drop all over Manhattan. I was so tired. I used my vacation day to do it. I took a vacation day in advance, knew that was what I was going to do on that day and sent it out to everyone with a cute little note card and said, Hey, follow me. Like in my new brand flower bodega that day, our mutual friend Fadia who worked at Instagram at the time, gave it out to some of her coworkers. One of her coworkers was Eva Chen and Eva Chen like posted this on Instagram. And the next day someone was like, I saw you on Eva Chen's Instagram. But like, obviously like we went viral in a way that worked because we knew people that could help amplify our voice on social media in a way I wasn't expecting, you know, Eva Chen to hand out or post my mini bouquet. It was more, we just wanted to make an announcement in case you're doing something. You can do that on a small scale with the people in your network. So if you're making soaps or body butters or cupcakes, Right. If that's the hustle that you want to do um, on a very, very small scale, because I have friends that like or have a makeup business, but they have a full time job, too. It's photos are the only way that are going to get your the word out. You have to have proof of your work. So make little projects with friends, practice on people, practice, practice, practice and 
photograph it, make yourself a portfolio. Like portfolios are a real thing. And right now, Instagram is a great portfolio. It's a free portfolio. Your feed, use your feed as your portfolio and promote yourself. If you, this is another little tip and trick that I do. I follow a lot of magazines and celebrities, right? And say, for example, one of them gets featured in a spread. A lot of the times they'll tag who the writer or the photographer was. I go to the photographer because I know the photographer is going to tag who the stylist and the makeup artist is. The makeup artist might tag the producer who hired them. So now you have like this whole little network of people that you could start following. So then you're on their radar. So this is also like how I help get my brand out there because I follow the people behind the scenes. Those are the people that are going to remember you and hire you, not the, the person in the lead image most of the time, like for those big scale things. So this is how we were able to grow, just being very guerrilla style, like grassroots, you know, no one helped us. We don't have a social media manager. This is just me being like an Insta creep online and, you know, trying to just get people to be like, what is flower birthday? That sounds cool. Like, let me click on it. Oh, this is, this looks cool. You know, I'm going to hit you with a follow or I'm going to remember that cool florist when something that makes sense comes up, might not come for six months, but someone will randomly be like, Hey, I've been following you for a while. And I work at X brand. And it's just like, Whoa, I had no idea I was on your radar, but that's because I'm putting in the work on the side. Those are small steps you can do. Get better, make content. Content, content, content. That's the most important thing. Figure out what you want to do. Put your free time and energy into it. Use the money from your job, whatever kind of, whatever little bit of money you can pull from your full-time job to help support that in any small way, if it's ingredients or a class that you can take online, anything like that that can better you is really, I know you said this was going to be a more involved question. I'm sorry. But like those things are, like ways that you can continue to learn and um, push yourself in the direction and get yourself in front of the people that can help you turn your little side project and like your passion project into your full-time hustle. Eventually, I'm sure a lot of people who started out as bakers were doing these small little projects like me. I was doing these small little projects and then it blew up because you're getting in front of the right people. You're putting in the work. You, you just got to Stop saying you can't or that it's going to be hard. I have a friend who is a really talented writer and she's just like, I'll never get published. I'm like, publish yourself, write your book, make a, make, pay for a few copies, like put, invest the money in like, cause I know like it's expensive to like, there's so many companies online that make hardcover books. You can make your own hardcover book, partner with a little cafe or someone's house or you know, a, a restaurant or a bar in your neighborhood, your local, say, hey, can I have like, or rent out the space, invest the money, like rent out, like do a little buyout of the bar, like wine and cheese, have a reading. Say, I, I wrote a book, buy my book. Your friends will wanna support you. Publish yourself, you know what I mean? Like don't feel like you have to go through all of these like really official routes to be like uh, successful. It doesn't work that way for, for the majority of the people unless you're super well connected. You have to find your own way. I call it scaling the building from the outside. It's just you might not have that key card elevator access to get you straight to the top, but figure out other ways to get in the building. Get creative. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of The Nanny, and she's like, I love Lucy. She's like finds a way into those buildings all the time. So it's just figure out a way to get yourself out there. It doesn't have to be through shameless self-promotion, but be smart about it. And no one is going to like believe in it as much as you will. 
no matter what, even I find this now, like no one's going to care about it as much as you. So you have to be the person that cares about it the most. And even if someone doesn't understand your vision, it's your vision. That's why it's yours, right? Like you're the one who came up with the idea. Like, of course they don't get it. They didn't think of it. So it's like, it's also like not really your responsibility all the time to try to get people to understand what you're doing if they're like not part of the solutions process, right? So you're always also gonna run into the people that are just like, but what about security of job and this and that? It's like, you almost have to like take this kind of like Kanye approach sometimes and just like believe in yourself the most and know that the work that you put into it and if you're smart and savvy and leverage all of the access to free information that is available on TikTok, you can learn anything on TikTok. You know what I mean? Just learn, learn, teach yourself, photograph it, put it out there, make sure it's polished, proofread for crying out loud, proofread everything, make sure, you know, that no one will ever look at you sideways for anything, you know, and then also separate yourself personally. Don't post your super personal stuff on your business account. You know, if you're like, an anti-vaxxer posting on your business account, like people are gonna find out and that can hurt your business. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you gotta, you gotta get a, you gotta be savvy, but like you don't need a full team of people to help you get there. Like this information exists and most of the time follow your gut and like be smart about it too, you know? that That's my advice is go for it, but work hard, lose sleep, you're gonna lose sleep. Sometimes you gotta look at it like tomorrow's gonna suck because I'm not gonna sleep, but it's just one day and I'm gonna achieve a goal. So just, you, you gotta figure out like what's more important to you, like hanging out and like having that free time, which is important for de-stressing from a full-time job or putting in the groundwork now, laying down the foundation so that you can be where you wanna be quicker. Something that like I probably needed to hear, a friend said this to me yesterday, about just like spending less time. She's like, I don't have time to be as social as I used to be. She's starting a business. We currently work together. She's launched her business and she's like, I don't have time to like always be talking to people and like going to dinner and doing da da da. And like, I didn't want to hear that yesterday. I truly didn't want to hear that. I'm like, it's summer. I'm living in Chicago. All I want to do is go out with my friends. I don't want to sit here and like talk about my podcast all the time or like write and she's like but that's like what you want to do so like if you don't do the things and you kicking it all the time it won't happen come to fruition as fast as you'd like so you have to just give some things up so that's a message I probably need to receive (laughs) because now I've heard it twice in the past 48 hours Shelby what would JLo do see now we're bringing it around to Jennifer Lopez and let me explain to you why and and this is full circle right I have the words como la flor in you know um, 3D, 3D letters in my studio. Obviously it's like a nod to flowers, but it's a Selena quote, specifically like a major scene in the film Selena where JLo plays Selena. She, there's a crowd going wild, like they're an uncontrollable crowd. They're like threatening to break the stage. People are getting crushed. She sings that song extremely slowly. She starts it out and shushes them and the whole crowd goes quiet. It's like this movie magic moment, right? Like about Selena's life played by Jennifer Lopez, but it's like a culmination of all these things that I love. But JLo, take JLo. A lot of people will argue that she's not talented, that she's this, that she's that. And it's like, sure, she's she does not have Mariah Carey's voice. She doesn't have Beyonce's stage presence, maybe, to some people. You know, like she 
doesn't fit in in some people's standards of like what someone at her level should have from a talent perspective. I think she's super talented, but what I appreciate most about her and what has truly honestly inspired me is that you don't always have to be the most talented person in the room to be successful. And it, the sooner you learn that, the sooner like you'll be able to understand that you have to be on top of your stuff because I might sit here and be like, but I'm, you know, I'm more creative or like I have a better skill set or like, better technique than certain people, but these people are out here churning out content, getting booked constantly because they're out there and they're consistently working, right? So you look at Jennifer Lopez, someone who, you know, might not have the best voice or best acting skills, but how is she like a number one selling artist? How is she so rich? How is she, how does she look like this at 51 and have all of these things going for her? She never stopped. It's grit, it's passion, it's purpose. It's like, continuing on believing in yourself like you might not be the best but if you're doing it like a good an idea is only an idea until you actually execute it right so it's like you could be on the sidelines like i had that idea or oh i i was i was thinking about that six months ago sure there are things like tiktok ideas or reels ideas i had where i'm like oh i should have done that when i thought of it because now like people are doing it like a few months later but if you're not first, you're last, right? So you have to, you have to right. just do the work because those people are hustlers. They're gonna do the work and they're gonna pass you, even if you're better than them on on paper, like physically, whatever. If you're, you might be better than them. Sure, you might be, but if you're not doing anything, then they're being like there might be like other podcasters out there, right? That are like, you know, what the hell are they even talking about? Like, oh, cute, you have a podcast. However, they're the ones like constantly coming up with new episodes and have a plan or like, you know what I mean? You gotta, you can't look at it as work because this is supposed to be the thing that took you away from that idea of what work was, what the ugly, big, bad work word is. It's supposed to be this lifestyle. It's like those, those internet memes where it's like, stop looking forward to the weekend and enjoy your Monday through Friday too. Enjoy your Mondays and Tuesdays. Like, why are those so scary? Why are, why is Sunday scary such a thing? You have to find purpose in every day. Otherwise, like you're looking forward to those weird vacations and like carnival cruise lines or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like looking for any escape, you, you know, like slamming back a million margaritas. It's just, you want to get away from that. So like make your way. And to do that, you have to put in the work now. Episode 25, Shelby, episode 25. Here we are. We out here. <laughs> I mean, you should be a coach. Like you should be, I kid you not. You should be, um, I've already seen the vision. Like you should have like a cohort where you help them with like small businesses and you don't tangibly do the things. You just tell them like, look, this is the framework. This is how it goes. Because even in that, in these <laughs> two questions, you've given so much. Like, I, I think there's something there about just not dreading your life. I think that's what the corporate America thing does to a lot of us. Like, I'm not miserable, but like the, at the end of the day, what you said about the schedule, like, mm -hmm. I don't want to work nine to five and being at yes. home, it's even more pronounced. Like I'm not <laughs> trying to get up, sit in the corner with the laptop, talking yeah. to people on zoom all day, half the meetings, I don't even know what they're talking about. And then you're like, all right, well, we're going to do it again tomorrow. And then you carve out a little time to work on what's interesting to you. So, you know what this is? 
I, I'm a producer. So like I see an idea and I figure out how to make it happen. That's, that's my mindset. I'm just like, this is how we do it. Like this is, you have this like crazy idea. You want to hang something from this. Okay. Now we have to do this. So it's the same thing. You want to write a book, but you can't get it published, publish yourself, figure it out. Like we'll figure it out like in a small scale, but <laughs> The cafe book idea, like, I mean, catch me at a cafe. Like, I might be like... You come to Flower Bodega. You have a venue. There you go. See? You have a venue now. Like, this is what I mean. And then, girl, do the tour. You have friends everywhere. You have friends in every city. Now it's the Shelby book tour. Come listen to me read. I, I'm going to write the book. I'm going to do the book tour at Flower Bodega. You're still doing my wedding flowers. And the last question I have for you is, what is your favorite flower? My favorite flower shifts, like, every month. Pretty much right now, my favorite flower is a tulip. I'm really into tulips. I've been oh having God. a lot of fun with tulips. Um, they can be reflexed. So like their shapes can change. They come in so many beautiful varieties. I think I mentioned this to you before. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know that I've been bird sitting my dad's parent. Her name is Apricot. And she, uh, there are tulips that are a variety of tulips called parrot tulips. So specifically parrot tulips are like my favorite right now, inspired by Miss Apricot. And like, they're just such a cool texture. And I love the way the stems work and the leaves fall on tulips. And I also feel like people don't know this a lot of the times, but like after you cut tulips and put them in water over like the next day or so, they'll start to like do this like wacky wavy thing where they'll droop and then they'll come back up and they just have a mind of their own and they're so much fun to design with. They're kind of sculptural in that sense. So definitely tulips right now. It's a good omen because when I asked you what your favorite flower was, I don't really have one. And I have, I would say I was thinking tulips in my head only because that's my mom's oh. favorite flower. So when you said, when you said tulips, I'm like, yeah, I don't have a favorite, but by proxy, her favorite is probably Kismet. my favorite just because of all the <laughs> colors they come in. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you said that, I was like tulips. Um, and before we get off, I just want to give you your flowers Like I'm really, really, really proud of you. And I mean, I'm going to say this in the intro, so people have probably heard the story, but like. You gave me my first internship. You gave me my first chance years ago at Complex. And it's just been so fun to see you like grow and work with you again. I mean, at Refinery, we had yeah. a blast. So I just, I mean, there's, I could say so many good things. Like you're a visionary. You're just like, you're a good person. I mean, without the business, like just a great person. And I'm excited to see A, you winning, but B, like seeing other people see like what everyone who's got, who knows you personally has gotten to see. So very, Thank very you, proud Shelby. of you. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Thank Don't you. cry. Don't Thank cry. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm proud of you. I was so excited when I heard about this podcast idea when you were, you know, first rolling out to Finding Normal. And so I can't believe you're on episode 25 already. And I'm so honored to be a guest on it. Like, you've had so many incredible people speak to it. So I hope, you know, like, people listening, can't take something away. Um, but like, if you don't, if, if there's one thing you take away, at least this, whenever you're working with flowers or you get a bouquet or anything like that, please put it in fresh water and make sure there are no leaves in the, like below the water line. You don't want bacteria. You don't want your flowers to die fast. So please, if there's one thing you take away from this, uh, remove the leaves off of your stems before putting them in water. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you like the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.